Lord, open our eyes and ears to your call in our lives. And through your word, may we choose life in all its fullness. Amen. Please do be seated. I'm going to start this morning with um, two signs. This is my game show hostess type look. Okay. Uh, so, uh, the first sign. Can anybody read them? Can you read them at the back? Yeah. No? You can't? Shout, someone shout it out then, or I will. You probably can't <laughs> see if you're watching online either, so I'll go there. So, the first sign says, riches, success, and honour. This way. Anybody up for that? Riches, success, and honour? Yeah? Let's, uh, let's be honest. Put your hands up if you'd like riches, success, and honour. Yeah? Okay. Well, I'm going to put it down there so you know which way to go. Basically, out of the church. <laughs> Note. Um, and this sign says, poverty humiliation and suffering this way put your hands up if you'd like poverty humiliation and suffering not so many people putting their hands up this morning for poverty humiliation and suffering it's not exactly the best advertising campaign is it it's not going to win you over it's not like the L'Oreal adverts or anything on the television. You can have all of this. You can have riches, success, and honor. If only you would do all of these things. That reminds me of something I've heard before. That reminds me of someone who was told, you can have all the kingdoms of the earth. Everyone will bow down to you. You don't need to go and wander around the place. You can have a palace to sit in, and people will flock to you. All you have to do is believe in me. Does that remind you of anything? Have you heard those sorts of words before? Yes, the temptation in the desert. Because if you want someone to come to do something, to join a program, or to be involved in something, surely you have to promise them something big. What can they get from what you're offering? What will the reward be? Surely there has to be something for me, for my money, riches, success, and honor, surely wins over. Poverty, humiliation, and suffering. You're right. After all, who in their right mind would go for that? Nobody. Except Jesus. He could have stayed in heaven where he had equality with God. But instead, he chose to give up all of it to come here. He could have easily given in to the temptation of the desert. Apart from anything, he'd been there for 40 days. He was absolutely shattered and very, very hungry. And I don't know about you, but when I get hungry, then you could offer me most things as long as you promise to give me food and I'd be with you. 
Instead, he did choose the life of a wanderer with nowhere to call his own. The life that would lead to taunts, spitting and derision. And ultimately, the life that would lead to being nailed to the cross and dying in agony. R.S. Thomas, poet, puts it like this. And God held in his hand a small globe. Look, he said. The sun looked. Far off, as through water, he saw a scorched land of fierce colour. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent... A river uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. The choice of the sun was to come to the broken world because of love and compassion for it. And it's that same love and compassion of God that leads him to call Jonah to travel to Nineveh because he's concerned for the people there. Jonah chapter 1 reads, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, And cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The people have chosen riches, success and honour, which in turn has led to pride, greed, selfishness, jealousy, hatred and a lack of neighbourly love. This great city, which looks great on the outside, has a cancer eating away at it. Wickedness. Slowly but surely, each person has given in to the ways of the world there. For, of course, once you have a taste of riches and success, you will do almost anything to keep it or get it. Once you have honour, it is very hard to let go. And so surely, if you are rich, successful and have honour, you can steal, be corrupt harm and kill others to maintain and build up what you already have. Surely that is your right, isn't it? After all, you've worked hard for all this stuff. Why shouldn't you get more prosperity and in so doing get more adoration? That's the message, isn't it? That if we have riches, success, then we will be adored. Then we will be seen as a success. And we will be held up by other people as a shining example of someone who has lived life well, obviously. And who cares if it comes at the cost of the poorest people around you? After all, they just can't have tried hard enough or worked as many hours as you. God looks and sees the wickedness the injustice and selfishness, and cannot bear to see the harm that is being done to his children. Not only the harm being meted out between people, 
but the harm to the hearts of those who have the riches, the success, and the honor. As they turn in on themselves, put up their gates and their barriers, rather than being open, kind, and loving. This city, for all its riches, has become a dry, hard-hearted place. Jonah, a Hebrew prophet, is asked to go on God's behalf to tell them that unless they start to behave according to God's commandments, i.e. to love their neighbours, then the city will be destroyed. We're told that God will destroy it, but actually it's probably going to be destroyed by their own selfishness and greed. I wonder if that rings any bells at this time in our own history. Jonah has a choice. He could go to Nineveh and he can tell them. (coughs) But he flees, like any self-respecting person well might. It's a little akin, you might say, to God asking one of us, perhaps, to go to Saudi Arabia, tell them to stop making money through arms sales, which have brought them and many countries, including our own, huge wealth, but which have led to the slaughter of many innocent people in places such as Syria. Would you go? Or would you get the nearest boat and travel as far in the opposite direction as you could? I know what I'd rather do. No wonder Jonah runs away. Bringing it a little bit closer to our own experience, perhaps it's like telling a a 60-a-day smoker that maybe they ought to quit for their health, or telling people that maybe if they didn't strive to keep up with what the adverts tell them they should have, they could keep out of debt. It's not a fun message to give, is it? It's not going to win you any followers, surely. In actual fact, it might be quite a dangerous message. Not only anger from the person you are speaking to, but actually from wider society. Jonah is living out of fear and making his choices from such a place. He doesn't want to have to go to Nineveh because that's too hard. Who is he to tell anybody else how to live their life? Except he has been chosen by God to do exactly that. I wonder how many choices we make in life that are made from a place of fear rather than a place of freedom. How many ways do we live our lives just because we don't want to rock the boat, either with our family or our friends, our church community or our wider community? How many times have we kept our mouths shut about injustice, greed and hatred when we should have opened them just because we were afraid of what would come back at us from others or because we were afraid of how we would look? How many decisions have we not made in life because it would be easier just to keep things the same? I know I have done all of those things because I was afraid of how I would look. I wanted the easy way, don't we all? 
And ultimately, I was afraid I might lose my security in job, in house, in friends, in family. Jesus' call is completely different. Asks us to respond from a completely different place. Not a place of fear, but a place of love. Andrew, Peter, James and John respond in the opposite way to Jonah. They don't run away, but instead they go instantly with Jesus. They give everything up. They leave their boats there and then and go off down the beach with him. And they know nothing, really, about this person. They might have heard John the Baptist say, there's the Lamb of God. What does that actually mean? But they go. There is something in this person of Jesus who gives them that love right from the beginning. And actually, when Simon Peter goes, do you remember, Jesus says, you are Peter, you are the rock, and on you I will build my church. And he doesn't even know who this person is. But he does. And that's the point. They listen to that message, follow me and repent. The same message that Jonah had been charged with carrying to Nineveh. Jesus, unlike Jonah, has decided he will carry the message. And those he meets then have no choice but to follow him. They don't know what they're following him to. They have no idea. It could be riches, success and honour. And later, of course, they actually argue exactly over those things. So they weren't perfect and they didn't get it right. Or it could be to poverty, humiliation and suffering. Note that later when Jesus tries to show them that answering his call is to poverty, humiliation and suffering, they try to dissuade him. So again, they're not perfect. They didn't get it right. They didn't understand. They're just the same as us. Because actually our innate human part of us is to survive. And that's right. To give ourselves security. To make sure we have enough to eat. To make sure we have a house, a roof over our head. To make sure our loved ones are cared for and given the same things. But sometimes the balance gets out of kilter. And that's the point. Actually, if we keep on pulling stuff into our lives, making choices out of fear, and not standing up and saying, no, enough is enough, then we harm ourselves as well as others. Jesus knows his disciples, and he knows they're not going to understand it, and he knows they will get it wrong, and he knows us, and he knows we don't understand it, and we will get it wrong. But that's the point. He still chooses us, and he still chooses them. Ultimately, he chooses the disciple to disciple other people, and that's what he asks us to do. He trusts us 
to take that message, to carry that message. It's not an easy message, for it means truly looking at our lives and letting go of all the things we place our security in, letting go of the fear, letting love come in instead. So I don't mean go home and sell all your possessions. What do I mean? I mean stop striving to earn God's love because you already have it. Stop trusting that the things around you will be the things that save you. They won't. You have been saved already by the one high priest. Not a priest who goes into a temple each year, but by the priest who was nailed to the cross so that he could absorb all the wickedness of the world and then was resurrected to show the goodness and the life and the love of the world. Stop choosing to stay silent about injustice, climate change, hatred and division, just in case you might rock the boat. Speak up for those who are harmed, those who are weaker or more vulnerable, and be honest about how frightened you might be of letting go, and ask God into the midst of everything going on in your life. I promise you, when you choose the life of poverty, humiliation and suffering, then the greatest joy will be found. Your heart will be set free, for you will belong to your creator and redeemer, and there is nothing else you need in life, for everything is nothing without Christ. You will soar above the earth and be joined to her. Freedom, new life and joy await, because the Son of God chose to come bearing the message of grace and did not run away. And God held in his hand a small globe. Look, he said. The sun looked. Far off, as through water, he saw a scorched land of fierce colour. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent, a river, uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. Amen.